look like work to you? Nah. This is the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts. See, now we're spitting hot fire, Andy. Andrew Romanella. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'll be the best cheerleader. Father Time apparently doesn't know Tom Brady's address. And Anthony Rinaldi. Love the hardwood. That's my passion. Houston, they don't have a problem. Listen, you don't even have to listen. Now, it's time for the show. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls podcast broadcasting from Palisades Credit Union Park. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and alongside me is my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing good. We're broadcasting from a baseball stadium, which is fantastic in its own right. And I want to let you know you need to follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Social media. Double A Balls on both the Double A B podcast dot com. Obviously, subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Podbean. We have a really good show in front of us, Anthony. A little bit of NBA action. As always, the playoffs are heating up. NHL update. Thank you, Frankie Franchise Construction. Of course, we are going to quiz the intellect of Anthony Rinaldi tonight in What Does Anthony Know About Sports? Little What Do You Got NFL Draft mashup, which should be fun. And, of course, we're at a baseball field, so we're going to talk about baseball. We will dive into the MLB, but to the hardwood first, Anthony. Gotta always start on the hardwood. Love the hardwood. That's my passion. Some of these playoff games, you know, we started to talk on Friday, a little Friday morning dab action, and we thought, you know, these games may be over. But here, here comes the weekend, and we got a 2-2 series, Pacers-Cavs, Raptors-Wizards, Bucks-Celtics all locked up at 2-2. 3-1, Golden State-San Antonio, Philly in the Heat is 3-1 also, Andrew. And we got 2-1, Utah and Thunder. And it looks like the Rockets are going to hold on, whooped up on Minnesota, so that'll go to 3-1. But what... So far, Andrew, has caught your attention. To me, it has to be the fact that the New Orleans Pelicans swept the number three seed Portland Trailblazer. I think that, to me, was the biggest playoff series so far. I'm very sorry. I mean, so much credit to Anthony Davis. I heard Brian Windhorst say it. Anthony Davis took that step in his NBA career where it's almost like you look at it and say he has arrived as a guy that can carry a team. You know, up until last week, Anthony Davis had not won a playoff game in his six years in the NBA. Now all of a sudden he comes out and leads his team against a very good Portland team, the three seed, that had to win 13 straight down the stretch at the end of the season to get into the playoffs with two very good superstars on their team in Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. That was Probably, to me, Anthony, the most surprising series. I mean, you look at Portland, and after they went on their run late in the season in March, they lost four of their last five going into the playoffs. I think something that we've talked about a lot on this show is winning going into playoff time and having that good juju around the team, feeling good. Well, if you look at the the last 10 days of the Portland Trailblazers season. They lost five games of the nine that they played. Like I said, four of five. 
and then they go in and they get swept. And I just think they spent so much energy getting up to the three seed, winning 13 straight, doing what they needed to do. By the time they got to the playoffs, they had spent so much energy getting there and getting a high seed that New Orleans came in and just did what they needed to do. Anthony Davis, straight-up freak. I mean, that guy is, what, six? listed at 6'10", six, six, maybe 6'11". So the brow. Probably 7 foot, more like it. Dude got handles. Dude could, if the dude could knock down a more... I guess have have a, have a more prolific jump shot, which I guess is asking. You know, I'm stretching to find a hole in his game. He rebounds. He he runs the floor. I mean, if you look at his, his first eight career playoff games, I think his numbers are points wise. We'll go with the the latest. Oh, with his first, 47, 35, 22, 28, 36, 29, 26, 35. Insane. Dude is a dude. Just drops a hammer with his unibrow. That's insane. And think about it. Everyone left them for dead when DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. I think they got better. They got better. They got a big three now. You know who I, their big three is? Got to have a big three. Rajon Rondo. No, no, I'm not even including Rajon Rondo. Oh. I, I forgot he's even on the squad. Rajon. Right. He's Anthony, playing good, though. Anthony Davis. Your boy Drew Holiday. Everyone's my boy. That dude came into his own, Drew he Holiday. Did. Drew Holiday. Playing, Great signing. He is playing some serious defense, too. And the dude from Chicago, Miritich. He was on a kind of a knucklehead out in Chicago, getting punched by his own dudes in the head. But he could straight up rebound and he can knock down the three. And that's typically what you need in your role players. Ask ask LeBron in Cleveland. You can't do it all yourself. But those three, Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, and Miritich, I forgot his first name. It's a crazy first name. Drew Holiday is averaging twenty seven. Point eight points per game in this playoffs right now, and yes, I do agree. He and he averaged nineteen during the year, six assists, four and a half rebounds, and I do agree he is a part of a big part of of the factor for this New Orleans team. But I do think Rajon Rondo has won a world championship as the part of what I would argue was the original big three in basketball, because before there was LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. And Chris Bosh, there was Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo, and Paul Pierce, which started the big three in Boston, won the title, I believe it was in 08, and now have obviously since split up Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen retiring, Rajon Rondo bouncing from team to team. But I think since he left Boston, this is the best he has played the, probably the best leadership he has displayed, and that is why this team, I'm telling you, that is a huge factor as to why this team is playing so well. Pelicans are definitely going to provide a little bit of firepower in their next matchup as they sit and wait back between Golden State and San Antonio. I just don't want them to get swept in that series. No, I don't think so. That would disappoint me a I lot. Think so. I think you're going to see, like you said, your boy Brian Windhorst. Anthony Davis is coming into his he, – he's kind of taken over, as he called it, bending the game. Yeah. He's like LeBron's been doing it for the last decade, which is kind of funny, but true because you see what LeBron brings, the trash he brings with him game in and game out. And the only thing that bothers me about LeBron is how much he talks about himself. He does, he does like why, why? person too. Dude, you are possibly one of the top two players in NBA history. Why do you need to talk about how good you are? We all – newsflash. Everybody in America knows how good LeBron James is. Why does he have to tell us all the time? 
That's the only thing that bothers me. I know he's a good person. I know he's a phenomenal basketball player. I know he's a great father. I know he's probably a great ambassador for a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, one of the most important things to me, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm in the minority, but to me is humility in superstar athletes. And for some reason, every time I hear him talk, I just feel like he is telling all of us, reporters, listeners, fans, whoever it is, that he's just better than us and we should feel that way all the time. Maybe I'm wrong. This is the way I feel. Dude, you're a superstar. You're the best player in the league for 15 years. Stop. Let everybody else shower you with greatness and accolades and everything else. You don't need to do it to yourself. Well, you know, he just feels probably slighted chip on his shoulder kind of guy because he's not number 23. He'll never be number 23. And but you know what? I think I think that 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 conversation is debatable for for years, decades. It'll go on until the end of time. We will have that on a Friday morning dab. That will be a Friday morning dab. We will spend right, 25 we'll, we'll minutes debating LeBron versus Michael, but LeBron's still in the league and this summer is going to be a big summer. Here's my question to you. Does this playoff run determine whether LeBron stays or goes from Cleveland? If he loses in the first round, is he gone? What's well, the six, that's the sixty thousand dollar question right there? Was that a game show back in the day? Um, LeBron, yeah, Cleveland needs to keep winning for him to even consider how far. They got to go back to the to the ship. You think so? Yeah. For what? So so if they his eighth time in a row, if they find a way to win this Indiana series, because I again don't believe it's over. It's a two two. I don't believe it's over. Obviously, they're going back to Cleveland. Blue home court, Andrew. You can't blow home court if you're yeah, Indiana. Right. That that not against that, LeBron. That was their opportunity, and at the end of the day, who came through? Kyle Korver. And in the two games that Cleveland's lost in this series, not to get off topic, get back to LeBron. But in the two games Cleveland's lost this series, game one and game three, Kyle Korver scored zero points. Disappeared. In games lots two and, and lots of lots of that, basically two thirds of their team disappeared. In those game, games. games two and games four, twelve and eighteen points respectively. Your boy J.R. Smith had a nice half court J- shot J- yesterday too. Dude, when J.R. Smith is playing, they're playing well. But either way, back to LeBron. I think along with you, it's got to be the championship. Because a lot of people are talking about the earlier he leaves, the more time it is for him to think about and start plotting with other guys to join them or X, Y, and Z. Banana boat, right? Wasn't it Chris Paul, Mello, all, all those guys a bunch of summers ago hanging out in a banana boat down in Miami? LeBron and D. Wade and Bosh figured it out. And a lot of people. like If you're Cleveland, you do not want him sitting at home on the phone with any other NBA guy. You want him in you your own locker room you know calling for a you know championship. You I think the first minute, if LeBron exits the playoffs early, the first guy calling him is Damian Lillard, 100%. So, and I, I agree with that. Either Damian's coming to Cleveland or they're okay. going to L.A. Or but somewhere. that's my question, right. They're going somewhere. They're is, making a Is play. Portland not an option in that scenario? Yeah, no, please. I don't think so either. I don't think LeBron puffs the trees enough. I to think he's done. Oregon. I also think that C.J. McCollum's gone too. Yeah, coming to the Knicks, baby. I think both of them are going to want out of there, just like LaMarcus Aldridge wanted out of there. Either way, LeBron James, unfortunately, is the guy that's going to move the needle now this offseason, as he has so many times before. And I think that I'm still a firm believer, no matter what happens, he stays in Cleveland. I really am, because I really do think that he 
realizes he can win in Cleveland. He can get the pieces he needs. Back in the day, Dan Gilbert wasn't spending money on, on they weren't spending money on guys that he needed. And that was part of the reason why he wanted to leave and go to Miami. Now, you're seeing Dan Gilbert want to spend money on guys for him, or at least try to do whatever they can. Case in point, this year's trading deadline. LeBron wanted new players. LeBron got new players, eight of them. You've seen it in the past. LeBron wants this guy signed in the offseason. That guy gets signed in the offseason. Whatever it is, LeBron James seems to have his way, and I really do think that he has the best opportunity to get done what he individually wants to get done if he stays in Cleveland. Leaving for the second time in a row, I mean, that's just going to break so many hearts. You're going to see a lot of jerseys burnt that day. I think if, if he doesn't win in Cleveland, I think he's gone. Even if he wins, if he wins, I guess he stays, builds, you know, continues to build that Cleveland legacy. And I guess he's going to have to reshuffle the deck because I don't think, I don't think he particularly likes the players he's got. Clarkson, no. Nance, Corver. I mean, Kevin Love, that dude. I wonder if he, I wonder if he wishes he had Wiggins back. I mean, just cur- for his sheer athleticism. Yes, because yes, currently in the playoffs right now, to your point, LeBron James is averaging thirty-two and a half points. The next. Closest scorer is Kevin Love. He's averaging 12. The next closest scorer behind him is J.R. Smith. And he's averaging 10. To score, you got to shoot more. That's the help LeBron's getting. LeBron is leading in points, rebounds, assists, and blocks. Currently for the Cavs in four games this playoffs. These kids just patting his stats, LeBron. Who in the East? Because I'm telling you, I'm... I'm still sticking I, to Toronto versus the Sixers. I know I have the field here. And the Sixers look no, like... No, no, no. You have... I, I meant LeBron. You know what I meant, Andrew. Come on. It's Tuesday. It's Thursday. I think it's Monday. Um, I think I thought it was Friday. It could be Friday. I want... I still got LeBron. And I'm going to take LeBron until LeBron's 47 and can't walk or dunk no more. But I think... I hate to say it because they're on such a winning streak of a city. I think Philadelphia the most threat because that dude Ben Simmons, man. I know Embiid's the truth. Legit. Ben Simmons is 6'10", is doing a lot of Anthony Davis things. There have been three triple-doubles this postseason, and Ben Simmons has one of them. And the 76ers, to me, mirror the Golden State Warriors of four years ago. Four years ago, we knew Golden State was a good team. We knew they were on the up-and-coming it was that year that we thought they were going to start doing stuff, and then all of a sudden they made a run, they won a title against Cleveland, and just arrived. It, it just happened. The year before, they had Mark Jackson. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. The next year, under Steve Kerr, it just all clicked. And it was one of those years where there wasn't really a dominant team in the NBA. Obviously, whatever team LeBron was in the East was dominant. But I mean... Legit competition to get to the championship on the Western side, obviously besides the San Antonio Spurs. That's what I see from the 76ers right now. It's that weird one year right now where, as we've talked about, and we're going to keep talking about, LeBron's team isn't that great right now and has a serious chance of losing, and another team can make it to the Eastern Conference. And I think in a year where we all thought Philly might just make the playoffs and just kind of squeak in and get a little bit of experience, lose in the first round, maybe lose in the second round, and then really arrive next year. The 76ers are a year ahead of schedule, and 
I think are, are fully poised to arrive right now. They are knocking on the door, Andrew. And I, you know, I don't want to say they're, they're doing it with straight youth, but I mean, even some of their, their veteran presence, you know, they signed some, some waiver wire pickups, Bellinelli, Siricic, Siric, whatever his name is, he'll figure it out, people. I mean, these dudes just knock down jump shots. And when you get a guy like Ben Simmons who can take the ball through the hole, everybody collapses. I mean, he's got his, even J.J. Reddick, he's got his pick. But Philly, man, Embiid, mask and all, the, the mask wonder. I think he's got to rock that the rest of the playoffs. And you can tell he gets, he gets flustered. He gets, he gets knocked off his face. He scrambles around for it. He, he almost forgets to play basketball. They're just really good. They're just they're, he he he's good. He's, Simmons he's is good. Too. I think they're gonna make a run. I really do. The question also becomes, and and I think once Milwaukee took two games against the Celtics, the 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 picture became even more clear that Philly has a legit shot at doing this thing because you look at Cleveland, they're two two against Indiana. You look at the Celtics, they're two two against Milwaukee, and then all of a sudden you're looking at Philly and going, hey, yeah, I know they lost. And I, I know that they still are a youthful team and, and there's still a lot for them to learn and they could turn a corner and just get swept in the second round. You have no idea. But at the end of the day, the way they've played the last two months ha- is nothing short of phenomenal and the best team in the NBA. And the right things are happening for them to be able to make the run to the Eastern Conference Finals without even having to possibly play the quote-unquote best teams in the conference. Picture summer 2018 after the championships. I think in June, LeBron splashes his big splash and goes to the signs of the Philadelphia 76ers. I just don't see that. You don't think so? I just, I just don't see Philly. I could see L.A., but I don't see L.A. either because it's a Western Conference team. It just, some of that, it, it doesn't, I don't know if I could see LeBron in Philly. I just, for something about it, it just doesn't seem right to me. And I just don't think he'll be there. I think, again, I'll keep telling you, I think he stays in Cleveland. I really do. Does Toronto's two-game skid here in Washington scare you a little bit? Give you any, any kind of worry? Number one seed? Yes. I mean, your boy Larry Absolutely. doesn't show up anymore. I mean, 100%. Is, is he even on the team anymore? Because every single year, the Toronto Raptors are a very good regular season team, and they can't find a way to win in the playoffs. And I think that is the biggest thing for me, is you have to find a way to win. And I credit John Wall. The other night, Bradley Beal in game four fouled out with five minutes remaining. But uh, John Wall, great job uh, helping Washington win that game. But it, it does scare me a little bit. I think Toronto needs to find a way to get over that hump. You know what else scares me, Anthony? When I have ugly kitchen or uh, just a bad deck that needs fixing or a bathroom that is just 1980s vintage pink tile and I just need to get that ripped out of here. Well, if you have that and you hate that as well, call Frankie Franchise Construction at 973-789-6236 or email frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com. Kitchen, bath, and deck remodeling, interior and exterior design, remodel and re-love your home with Frankie Franchise Construction. When you call 973-789-6236, mention the AA Balls podcast. 
There's no guarantee, but you might, you just might receive 10% off your first purchase. Franchise construction, Frank, franchise construction at gmail.com. What that means is it's NHL update time on the Double A Balls podcast, which of course you can follow on social media, Instagram, Twitter at Double A Balls on both. A lot has been going on in the NHL playoffs right now, Anthony. Unfortunately, my New Jersey Devils were knocked out of the playoffs, so very disappointing for me because I thought the Devils played really well. Tampa Bay was just too much, and I think you said it to me on one of the last few shows about how good Tampa Bay was and how deep they were, and this is where I'm going to give you a second to give yourself some credit and I, and I wanted to start off the NHL update with that tidbit because in the last few weeks, your knowledge of the NHL is increasing. And as sad as it makes me that you were right about the Devils losing is as excited as it is that you realized it and you made the right call. Some consider me the Barry Melrose of the East. Besides the uh, hair, I'd say absolutely. Well... To get right into this NHL update here on the Double A Balls podcast, the Toronto yeah, Barry Melrose, by the way, the, Tor- listening. <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs force a Game Seven. Oh, Game Seven of the hockey's got to be fantastic in the Andrew. Eastern Conference, especially between those two teams. It has been a knockdown, dragout brawl between these two. Toronto is down in that series three to one. They win tonight. Three, excuse me, last night three to one. So they force a Game 7 against the Boston Bruins. Look out for that. The Capitals win the series against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They won last night 6-2-3. So the Capitals, what looked a little bleak going into the first few games, go out and win four straight and go ahead and defeat the Columbus Blue Jackets in that series. That's your boy, Ovi. Somebody woke up the beast in Ovechkin. Huh? He, he did. And maybe he heard us last week. Out, right? We talked about it. Maybe we heard him last week. Some other series that have come to an end. The Penguins defeated the Flyers 8-5. to five. That's an interesting score for a it hockey game. It was, an, it was an interesting game. Either way, that series 4-2 to two goes to the Penguins, so they move on. And the Predators... They beat the Avalanche on Sunday as well, five to nothing. So they win that series in a four to two fashion. Obviously, we mentioned the Devils and the Lightning series coming to a close. That was on Saturday. The Lightning defeated the Devils three to one, and they took that series in a four to one fashion. Of course, the Winnipeg Jets beat. The Minnesota Wild, 5 to nothing on Friday. That ended that series at 4-1. So the NHL is on fire right now. Look out for that Game 7 between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. That's going to be on Wednesday night. And since we're not giving you a what do you got individually this week because we're NFL drafting it, I'm going to tell so you... what. And, and, NFL? Ooh, NFL. Stay tuned. Boys and girls. I'm going to tell you to watch that game on Wednesday night on behalf of the show. What do you got? I just wrote down what do you got, forgetting that we're doing a different what do you got. So my what do you got part two 
This is game seven. I beat you two, Andrew. Well, now you know where my partner's head at. So that is your franchise construction NHL update here Before on the finish, Double A Balls Pop. Give me a quick little, who do you think is going to go? Penguins again? Or do you want to see the Black, the Black Knights? Give me a quick little championship matchup. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. Penguins Knights? Vegas you think, versus Pittsburgh. That, I think I think Vegas wants that. I could absolutely see I think that. The NHL wants that. The, at the end of the day, is this the year that, that Washington can knock off the Penguins? Possibly. May, I, I don't know. I don't think the Capitals can. I think that's the only thing that might. I have no idea, but I would guess probably Vegas Nashville, versus Nashville. Nashville. Pittsburgh. Na- Nashville. Nashville could also be there as well. So that is your Double A Balls NHL update sponsored by Franchise Construction. Remember, call 973-789-6236 or frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com. Calm. Okay. Sound the music. It is. What does Anthony know about sports? Okay. Coming off of a rough week last week, Anthony, in what does Anthony know about sports? So I think we're looking for a bounce back here this week. On, asking dumb hockey questions, Andy. On the Double A Balls podcast. Okay, so let's get right into it. I see you're ready over there. You got that look on your face like you're going to go 0 for 3. So here we go. Question number one. There is only one athlete to play in the Super Bowl and the World Series. Name that athlete. Bo Jackson. No. I'll give you one more. That's a great guess, though, because obviously Bo Jackson played in the MLB, was an all-star, and he was the only, only player ever to be an all-star in both sports. I can't. Deion Sanders. Oh, I was thinking prime time in my head. Prime time. Deion Sanders, the only play player to ever play in a Super Bowl and a World Series. 0 for 1. Here we go. Moving forward. Anthony Rinaldi, what year was the first Super Bowl? 1957. False. That is not correct. It was 1967. The first Super Bowl ever. Okay, one more question here on what does Anthony know about sports? I think you're going to know this one. I feel like it's a cookie, but let's see. Cookie. The famous soccer star, Mia Ham. Solid guess. Mia Ham is married to... What former Red Sox shortstop? Come on. He played against your Yankees his whole, your whole childhood. And now your whole childhood. But a good amount of your childhood. There's a lot of foggy memories up there, Andrew. Famous trade. The Red Sox went on to win the World Series. Five seconds. I don't have the slightest clue. Nomar Garcia Parra. Wait. <laughs> Nomar Garcia Parra is Andy married Andy? to Mia yeah, Ham. Well, all right. Oprah so again. the questions keep getting harder, the answers keep getting worse, and Anthony Rinaldi is 043 this week 
on what does Anthony know about sports. The quick math says that is 6.5 out of 13. So as Anthony would say, he is still a baseball Hall of Famer. Okay, Anthony, it is time now for a little What Do You Got NFL Draft coverage. We told the people on Friday that we would draft 10, the first 10 picks in the draft. We are absolutely going to do that, but that is going to be a combination of my first five picks and Anthony's first five picks. So you will get 10 picks in the draft, five from Anthony and five from Andrew. Here's how we will score it on this week's What Do You Got version, because obviously competition matters on our show, and we have to be playing for something, because why not? And if we're not putting bananas on it, well, why not? So we're going to go... Maybe put a round of golf on it, since you seem to play that quite often there. Love sure. that. Let's put a round of golf on it. We not- can do that. So you get one point for being correct on the first pick in the draft and then you get another point for having the most correct guys picked in the top five most correct guys picked in the top five okay doesn't matter if you get their exact draft slot correct okay last week there was a little bit of a discrepancy because Anthony picked the Pacers versus Cavs game two and Victor Oladipo And he had a very pedestrian day. And Andrew picked Oklahoma City versus Utah. And that wasn't a great game. I picked Paul George. He had not a great day, but a double-double, 18 points and 10 rebounds. So I believe you win the game and I win the player. Your thoughts? Wow. I was really going to say we should probably just give me both. Because I figured that's just the best choice for everybody in this situation. But I agree with you, Andrew. Playoff Pete did have a double-double. We'll give you that. I'll give you the point on him. I'll take the point on the game because it's a little more intriguing. So 13 for and 13, both of us. 500. Moving forward. A lot better than what does Anthony know about sports, clearly. A lot better. All right, so let's get into our NFL draft. Anthony, I want you to lead us off here. So you have your top five picks. Okay, before we go, I'm going to give the people the top five teams drafting. We have the Browns at number one, the Giants at number two, the Jets at number three, the Browns again at number four, and then the Colts at number five. And obviously we're doing this barring no, any trades. No trades. We clearly don't have that knowledge, and if we did, I would be not sitting here. I'd have a lot more money because I'd be riding those ponies. Though. So, Andrew, you want me to go number one here, huh? You give me the toss-ups since I'm... The better looking one? Yes. Cleveland Browns. For the umpteenth year with the first pick, select Sam Darnold. All right. Quarterback, USC. It's either between him and Allen. It's him or Allen. And a lot of people think Sam Darnold is absolutely the best pick in the draft. Or do you think the giant Dave Gettleman uh, routine of clamoring about their love affair of Saquon Barkley? Because I think Cleveland also wants him, but I think the Giants are making it known that if they don't take Barkley number one, because I think the Giants want Darnold, and they're hoping that Cleveland will flinch and take Darnold That's Barkley ploy. at one. That's the ploy. Because I think the Giants may slide out if their guy's not there. That's my potential. 
in my yes. mind. I if we were doing this with trades, I would 100% agree with you. because yeah, There's you, an asterisk next to the number two yes. pick for sure. This year. And I told you last week, I still think it should be with the Buffalo Bills for more picks in the first round and go out and get yourself Mason Rudolph if he's available later in the first or earlier in the second. The Buffalo Bills have the, I think it's the, the 12 or 22. 22. Yeah. And then he'll be there definitely 12, obviously, but you, you want to take it. And then if the, probably 22, you probably get away with it. And if the Giants still have their second round pick, that means they have they would have the 12, the 22, and the 33. Something like that. But I hear, I hear New England is on the hunt. I could see that for Tom Brady's uh, protege. And I think that's a guy and they have that, a lot of picks to give out. They have two ones and two twos, I think. That's a guy that fits the mold there. So you can see them move up to the tw- to mid twenty slot to grab a Mason. One hundred percent. I just think that could be a move for the Giants. Okay, so you go you go Sam Darnold number one. Who you got number one? I'm gonna go Josh Allen Boo. number one. And I I just I'm right. You're wrong. I just think that and everything I feel like is split fifty fifty. Truthfully, but and I'm gonna give you at the end of these five why I feel it's gonna go this way. But from the get go, eight nine ten months ago, Josh Allen I think was revered as the probably number one guy going into the year kind of stayed that way and then after the year kind of ended Sam Darnold kind of moved himself back up into that slot and Josh Rosen kind of floated in the same spot the whole time I think at the end of the day it probably goes back to the original so I go Josh Allen number one so already difference I like it Andrew moving forward with the second pick in the draft New York Giants select and I can't wait to hear this name called on draft day. My boy, number 26, out of Penn State, we are Penn State. Saquon Barkley. See, Give it to me. Your whole, you are in the hype because you're thinking with your heart and not your head. Correct, sir. If I'm Dave Gettleman, who's like 67 years old, screw the giant organization for the next 10 years. you got to win now, brother. Let's go after. I know we're lots of players away from it, and Saquon doesn't help us right now. I don't care. I just want that dude to see. But I've heard a lot of people saying he's that so dynamic, Saquon Andrew. Barkley, no matter what, can di- can affect your organization. And if you're looking to get locker room guys, just listen to this man talk for a minute and a half, and you'll understand exactly why David Gettleman is getting these guys like Jonathan Stewart, Alec well, Ogletree's kind of a knucklehead. But he picked up, uh, I forgot who else he signed. He, he wants locker room guys. He wants to build the culture right. that way. Exactly. And Saquon Barkley will be will do yeoman's work in that instance in carrying that character of the New York Giant. He is what a New York Giant is. So You believe they're there too. All right, so you got Darnold off the board one and Barkley off the board two. You got this two. is where we differ because you went Darnold number one. I went Allen. I think the Giants take... Sam Darnold oh, with the number there, two pick in the draft. I 100% think that. And, and I think that no matter what, that's where they're going to go. Because back to your point a few minutes ago, they're saying they want Saquon Barkley so badly because they just want to try and bait the Cleveland Browns into picking him number one, thinking he won't be there at number four, and then they get the pick of the litter for whatever quarterback they want. But Cleveland, I mean, they decide Carlos Hyde, and they got Duke Johnson. So, I mean, they're pretty good at... 
at running back. I mean, even though you can, if you add it, you always want to add a talent like but Saquon. I, I think it's his pass catching ability. And I know Duke Johnson Jr. is essentially a wide receiver out of the backfield, regardless. But I think that is what people love so much is how dynamic he is out of the backfield from a pass catching standpoint. There's a lot of guys that say he could practically just line up as a receiver if he really wanted to the whole time. John Dorsey keeps hammering away about the quarterback has to have big hands, large hands, which lends me to believe that your Allen pick may be the one because it's noted that Sam Darnold has small hands. It seems like he likes – there's something about stature that he really likes in a quarterback. Playing in Cleveland with that cold weather, that brutal weather, you're going to need some kind of some kind of some bear claws on you. To... But that's how I know I actually think the Cleveland Browns might be in the direction of getting it right finally because just hearing that conversation – about a guy having big enough hands to play the position means the attention to detail from a football standpoint is actually there in their organization, and that's what they've been missing the last few years. We all know it. They brought in a baseball guy who's from the. They brought in a baseball guy from your Mets from the Mets organization with Deep Padista, Mister Moneyball. They brought him in, and w- what happened? They ended up having the worst season in one of the worst seasons in NFL history. Right? The first worst two-year run in NFL history. So clearly they now have football people in the building, and I think that's why I don't think they're going to mess this draft up. So I got Alan Darnold. So you have Darnold Barkley. Correct, sir. With pick number three, the New York Jets choose. Mr. Josh Rosen. Oh. Showtime Rosen. He's going to love. I think the Jets are all over this character. Or, I mean... If with the Jets' luck, because he's injury prone, he trots out to one game in the preseason and is done for the year. Probably the Snoopy Bowl. Yes, one hundred percent. Wait, is Rex uh, Ryan coming back for that one? Any spoilers here? I'm taking Josh Rosen number three to the Jets as well. We agree in that category. We agree to disagree by that one. I just think at the end of the day, the Jets didn't move up from six to three. Excuse me, five to three and trade with the Colts so that they wouldn't go and get a quarterback. They traded up so they could get their quarter. Excuse me, the Broncos. The Broncos have the fifth pick. I think I said the Colts before, and I just said the Colts now. The Broncos have the fifth pick. The Colts have the sixth pick. The Jets didn't trade up with the Colts from six to three to not get a quarterback. They simply did that to get a quarterback. I think I'm going to ask this question last time, but do you think the Jets called the Giants about the two? Yeah, 100%. You do anything in your power to get the quarterback that you consider the franchise quarterback that's going to lead your organization for the next 10 to 15 years. You do anything in your power. If you have to hemorrhage having top 10 defense this year and you have a top 20 just so you can have the guy that you need to get at quarterback and then the next year you get the defensive pieces you needed, it's worth it to do it. That's how important that position is in the NFL. And I think the Giants, if you're Dave Gettleman, you're also thinking what it's going to take, what it's going to cost me if you don't grab the quarterback this year at number two, which theoretically you don't ever want to be back here. But what, what is, what's going to cost you next year? Let's say you do grab a, a Barkley or a Bradley Chubb, like they say they make it a little crazy, and grab the, uh, the, the, the DN there. If you don't get the quarterback, the, the franchise quarterback, and, and you're fishing for one next year, you're going to have to give up because you, you, you're essentially looking for one now. Two, two ones, a two, at least the first round, two twos. So you're going to have to see, and you're going to have to mortgage next year if you don't grab your quarterback this year. I think what's crazy about the NFL, and you're right, is that second-round picks are so valued now. 
and I'm sure they've always been valued, but I'm starting to recognize, at least personally, how important a second-round pick is in the NFL and how many guys are found in that second and third round. So I think to your question, what's going to happen is a lot of these teams that have a lot of picks that they can trade, like you mentioned, New England before, I think they're going to they're gonna try and get rid of a lot of second-round picks first and hold on to those first-round picks or try and kind of spin it that way and maybe they can kind of keep the second round if they give up the first but I think there no one's willing to give up both. I think that's the line right there. I don't I don't think anyone's going to give up both because that 30th through 45th pick especially in the draft is gigantic. I would consider that almost maybe the second version of the first round, like a first round 1B. That's how important some of those like think about it. We talk about Christian Hackenberg being a complete failure in the NFL because he's a second-round pick. If Christian Hackenberg is a fifth-round pick, no one, no one even blinks an eyelash at the fact that he hasn't dressed. But because he's a second-round pick, he all of a sudden is a bust in the NFL. That's how important those picks are. So, no, I don't believe any organization will go one and two. I don't think that. I think maybe they'll go one and four. Or 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 a, or a two and a four, or a two and a three, or a one and a six, something like that. But I think those second round picks have become so valuable in the NFL now that no one's willing to give away both. Unless you're the Jets, because you choose Geno. Again, uh, but again, why he's a bust? Because they chose him in the second he fell round. To the why? Second round too. Why, why is Tim Tebow a bust? Because Denver took him in the top twenty. Baseball player Tim Tebow. Right. If Tim Tebow is taken in the seventh round. No one thinks twice about the way his career went. No one. Yeah, sure, he has a little bit more buzz around him because he's a high trophy winner. Same thing with Johnny Manziel. I'll go on all day. But we need to get to pick number four, which is the Cleveland Browns again. I think they're going to do something smart here. What do you got for me? What do you got? They're going to pair up a monster with Miles Garrett. Oh. And they're going to graph that DM. You're going Bradley Chubb. Wow. So you're saying they're getting the bookend. So you think they're going to get the quarterback they believe for the future, have Tyrod Taylor start this year, and then get their bookends on the defensive side. Check out their roster. They're going to have the quarterback of the future. Obviously, Tyrod will start. You got your running back and hide. He's a workhorse. They just signed Jarvis Landry. (laughs) They got Josh, Josh, what's his face? If he could stay not stuck. Gordon. Yeah, if he's you know not be high all the time. And the defense, Miles Garrett. They signed uh, the other dude. Uh, they'll come to me later in life. And now you get Bradley Chubb, who's, a, who's obviously a game changer at, at NC State. And I think Cleveland goes that route and totally does a rebuild. And you will see Cleveland again sooner than later, kind of like Philadelphia. They're you know they're rebuilding. They're doing it the right way. And I believe Cleveland fans, because you're nutty out there in Cleveland, you have parades on your Oprah. Just stick with the process, man. It seems to work. If they go the way you think they're going to go, and even if they were to take, and, and I'll tell you now before we keep going, I have, for that fourth pick in the draft, I have the Browns taking Saquon Barkley. So I don't know if you see a pattern with my draft. My mock draft top four right now so far is the exact, essentially, probably top four that somebody might have chosen some three or four months ago. And what I think... Way to do your homework, Andrew. What I think at the end of the day is we've come up with all these crazy scenarios. The Giants trading to one. The Jets trading with the Giants. The Colts trading in somehow to the, to the two with the Giants. The Giants trading with the Bills. X, Y, and Z down the line. We've come up with all of them. But I think what happens is the whole draft stays status quo. It goes one, two, three quarterback, 
Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, and there you go. I just gave you my fifth pick before you gave me yours. I think Bradley Chubb to the Denver Broncos, and then Levon Miller. Then, wow. ri- then right, then right down the line. I think that's exactly how it goes. Now, the reason why I think the Broncos go with Bradley Chubb at five is because I don't think they think enough of Baker Mayfield to take him with the fifth pick in the draft. And if they can't trade into the top four, I think they look at it from the standpoint of we can go somewhere else with that quarterback. Because no matter what, we all think these guys are developmental anyways. You're not drafting them to start game number one next year. So I think then they'll say to themselves, let's keep shoring up our defensive side so we can know we can still be a top 10 defense in the league and let's go find one of the other three or four good quarterbacks in this draft that because you know that there are. Let's try and make some moves. And maybe they trade back in to the first round with, again, that high second round pick they have and make a move that way. I could see Denver making a move out of the fifth spot if, let's say, their guy Chubb is not there. Or I don't think I don't think they're in love with any quarterbacks except for one, and he's my fifth pick. And you and you kind of knocked it, so I'm glad you did. Baker Mayfield. I think Denver. I think John Elway is gonna make a splash. Really? Sit him behind Why? Case Keenum. Let him learn behind Case Keenum a little bit. And I, I just think that. John Elway loves these, but that's why I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback because they got Case Keenum. What do you need to go and spend the fifth round? What are you going to go? And I'll pull pull it up right now. What are you going to go spend your fifth overall pick on a quarterback when you know a you're probably not going to get one of the three guys that you really want? So why don't you get go get a guy that can make an immediate impact, and then you can find somebody else. Listen, I like Baker Mayfield. I'm sitting here telling you right now, I want the Dolphins to find a way to draft him. I just don't think the Broncos at five need to. I can see that. I can see that if the Bills can't get to the Giants two hole, I could see. I could see Elway taking the twelve and twenty-two. Yeah, you think so? You think he tr- you trade out with Buffalo? I think he trade out with. I think because I think Buffalo may take Mayfield. Case Keenum's contract is a two-year deal. Okay. It's a cap hit of fifteen million in two thousand eighteen and a cap hit of twenty one million in two thousand nineteen. So for a total, it's two of thirty six. It's not a bad deal. No, and I think team friendly. If I had to make a guess right now, do I think Case Keenum is who Case Keenum was last year to a T? No, but do I think he takes a big step backwards? No, I think Case Keenum is going to be the next revelation of Alex Smith, where. I don't know if he's going to win you the big game and get you to the Super Bowl, but he's going to be consistent enough to get you to the playoffs every single year, possibly win you one or two playoff games and make your team relevant for as long as he's there. So what I see, I foresee him starting 32 games for the Denver Broncos the next two years, probably getting them to the playoffs. Do they make a run? Who knows if he ends up being good enough? Maybe he learned from last year with Minnesota. Maybe he didn't. And then whoever they find a way to draft as a quarterback three years from now in that first season, what would that be? 2020, that first 2020 season, I think that's when you see the guy from their 2018 draft starting. Andrew, all I'm going to tell you is I think I know what our Friday dab is going to be about. NFL draft. We'll be after the first round. We'll be first round Thursday, Friday morning dab. Thursday night at like midnight. I run after the draft. Oh, you just want to stay awake all night. Draft hop. We get right into the Friday morning dab. You do not. As we're looking at the when your son wakes you up in the morning, you're gonna fully regret that. You will fully regret that decision. So for a rundown of our what do you got draft top five this week, Anthony Rinaldi goes with. Sam Darnold as the overall number one pick going to the Cleveland Browns. Then 
Saquon Barkley to the New York Giants, Josh Rosen to the New York Jets, then Bradley Chubb to the Browns again at four, and then Baker Mayfield, number five, to the Broncos, and then Andrews, top five, Josh Allen goes number one to the Browns, Sam Darnold goes number two to the Giants, Josh Rosen goes number three to the Jets, Saquon Barkley, number four to the Browns, and Bradley Chubb, number five to the Denver Broncos. Before we keep moving forward, the one thing I'm going to note here, Anthony, and I just want your opinion on this, Josh Allen, in your mind, is going to fall out of the top five. Clearly that's how I portray it. He could go to he, Listen, if Denver trades out of that five hole and he's there, I mean, why wouldn't if, if the Bills take him, I could see. You don't think like he's a viable him. option for Denver? I, listen, if Denver does go that route, I mean, you, you you make a lot of sense when you ramble on about your football knowledge, Anthony. Sometimes. And that Bradley Chubb Von Miller is a little scary to me. That's going to be scary for a few years to come. It is. It, why not sure up that defense a little bit more? He lost uh, Talib to, to, to uh, L.A., so you have to shore up you know, the secondary. Case Keenum is going to carry – exactly what you said. He's going to be – They released A.J. Anderson, so they do need a running back. Right. You're going to need a running back. Need a little bit more wide why, receiver that's help. That's why I can see them bailing out and getting two, grabbing two. I like that, and I, again, like I like I said, I said it for the, the Bills, Giants if, as well. I like it for the Giants as well. If the Bills don't screw over the Jets and jump the two to grab the quarterback, there is there is so much that could happen in this draft. So again, that is going to be Thursday night. So this has been debated for however long now, and it's kind of crazy, but it is here. It is coming. You know what else is here, Anthony? Warm weather. Yes, warm weather is here. Springtime and warm weather means it is time to fix. Those broken windows and busted screens. Are you tired of that outdated shower curtain? Are you tired of that screen that pops off every other time you open the door? Or that window that has the draft at night? Whatever it is, call Hawthorne Glass at 973-427-4344 and contact our man Angelo. He has over three plus decades of quality service in the glass industry shower doors tabletops storefronts windows thermal panes and more he does it all folks call angelo and mention double a balls for 10 percent off your first purchase that's 973-427-4344 our lovely what do you got sponsor that means there's only one more thing on my mind and i smile as i say it out loud baseball Baseball, baseball, the Yankees are spinning it around a little bit. They're playing a little bit better. The Red Sox have spun slightly the other way, dropping two of three to the Oakland Athletics and being no hit, which was an unbelievable Debatable. story. Debatable. So for you, Anthony Rinaldi, it has been a pretty good baseball week. Listen, we'll take what we can get. Finally, I think Yankee land has turned things around just a little bit. Nice victory last night, drubbing 14-1, whooping of the Minnesota Twins. And it's going to be interesting for the Yanks coming up, Andrew, because this next 14-game stretch that they have without any breaks, let me rattle off a few of these teams for you here. They got four home against Minnesota, three on the road against a potential powerhouse 
Angels. Although you still have Boston Bob Bottom. They have four at Houston. You know how well, you know what they did last year. Best team in baseball. They have three at home against Cleveland. Fourteen games in a row. That's a that's a pretty important I know it's early and we're only twenty games into the season. It's a little early to be putting that kind of pressure on your squad or to even think about must win or but I wanna say I wanna go no worse than ten and four, nine and five. One hundred percent. That this this is and then a, hold on real quick. Then a day off, May seventh, and three games against Boston. Th- this is a stretch in your season where you're gonna look back and and say this made or braid made or broke the New York Yankees. And you know what? I think you'll you know you see the the young prospects as your boy Michael K stated. I don't want to steal your thunder, Andrew. Go ahead. Give me the quote that you loved so much the other day. Well, Michael K was talking about how. The other day when Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar were playing, and which are both just ridiculous prospects, and you can see why, A, the Yankees love them, and B, why they're going to be a part of their future for the next 10 to 15 years. But Michael Kay made a great quote, and he said, when watching the game, him and David Cohn were talking about how it felt like opening day because that's the way it was supposed to be. Luis Severino was on the mound. He shoved. Andujar went four for four. He was ripping the ball everywhere. Glaber Torres has been on fire since he came up to the big leagues. And he said, it's warm weather out. All the young guys are playing. They're dominating. Didi Gregorius goes deep as he continues to do and continues to be the best player on that team. Him and Aaron Judge continue to do it. And you kind of looked at it, Michael K. said, and it said it just felt like opening day. This is the way the Yankees were supposed to play, and this is the way the Yankees were supposed to look. Put a 14 spot. Monday night. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Playing good baseball. Giancarlo Stanton, is he coming out of his slump? He's crawling. It's they moving have, forward. They shot tonight, they said. But it, it, what it is is it's move, It's better, and the team in, what in the last few days is playing better. He's a California kid who played his whole career in Miami. It was cold up here, Andrew. 26-plus rainouts, I think, which might be a record. And on the flip side, the Boston Red Sox lost a really bad series Finally. in Finally. Oakland. Yeah, I mean, listen. You know what? The Yankee fans got to, I don't say relax, but obviously we started off on kind of 500, kind of lying in the weeds. And yeah, we're only, I think we're 11-9 and nine now. A little bit of a winning streak. The Red Sox are 17-4. and four, Yeah. But you gain two games back. Exactly. And, and Boston's going to be there. They're going to come back down to earth. You saw David Price kind of, kind of give up that three-run jobber. To that dude out in Oakland to, to lose the game for, for for the Red Sox on the Saturday. Couldn't 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 see the deal on Sunday, which there's nothing that makes me happier than checking the box score and seeing a big old L for the Boston Red Sox score sheet. Especially when it's a no hitter. The other night in a three to nothing victory, Sean Monet pitched the first no hitter in twenty five years against the Boston Red Sox, which is absolutely an unbelievable statistic. I believe he struck out 10 in that game and walked two for the no-hitter. And there was an instant replay in that game, actually, that ended up keeping it a no-hitter, which is pretty cool having the new era of baseball dictating or helping dictate a no-hitter 
in today's game. So a really, really cool moment there for Sean Manet in his MLB career. A tough day for the Boston Red Sox and an Oakland Athletics team that we're not going to talk much about, but I just want to mention that is a lot, a little bit better right now than people uh, imagined they were going to be. So are the Tampa Bay Rays actually, but the Oakland Athletics right now are sitting at 11 and 11 after that two of three um, series win against the Boston Red Sox. So I, I, pr something pretty interesting there out of Oakland. And when you look at the Tampa Bay Rays, they're eight and 13, which is nothing that jumps off the page. But they've won four straight and are starting to play a lot better baseball. So you, you mentioned the stretch the Yankees are going on. And I'm starting to mention AL teams that are starting to play better, which to me just says that it's going to be a pretty tough and stacked AL, not just AL East, but AL in general. And that is why it's no longer early, man. Now that we've reached over 20 games, it's just no longer early because now you're at the time where you, injuries are starting to happen, you're starting to get into a role, you're in the rhythm of the season, and you need to start taking series after series after series and not allowing to get this lead too much that Boston has. They're five up on you now. They're four up on Toronto. You just took a huge series against Toronto, which was gigantic for you, and now you have to keep moving on that pace. You hit it right on the head there, sir. Just keep winning series. Baby steps, Andrew. Baby steps. Looks like Oakland's going to steamroll through Texas on the Monday nighter. So they're going to they're gonna jump to 12 and 11, which, like you said, is quite surprising. Good old Billy Bean ball. Somehow they find a way to win games, and every year he finds a way. No, not every year. Last year they were just a bad baseball team. Just a bad baseball team, and, and they've had bad years, but... Since Billy Bean got there, I, I want to say it was in 2000 or 1999, somewhere in that range, they, they've been somewhat relevant in, in the barely any money they spend. And one fun fact that I heard today, the Boston Red Sox have the highest payroll in Major League Baseball this year, and the Oakland Athletics have the lowest payroll in Major League Baseball this year. So something pretty cool to see, 1A, the no-hitter, but B, that team hanging and seeing that the financials of each team Sometimes doesn't matter. I think more times than not it does. But but that right there, I love seeing stuff like that. Just like I hated it against the Mets. But when you see the Royals go to the World Series in back-to-back -back years, you know, people say that's not great for baseball. In my opinion, it is great for baseball. Yeah, you are one of those baseball old-school kind of guys. Old-school. You know what else I'm old-school Wait, you're burying, the he you're burying the headlines here, buddy, about your squad. I was just about to say that. Give it to me, dude. Give me the juiciest mess story of the day. Their bullpen is not good right now. Who's going there? Who's who's moving to the bullpen? The, Matt Harvey. Oh, the dark night. Their bullpen is not moving good right now. Bullpen. Matt Harvey's moving to the bullpen. I love that decision. I've wanted it. Tell me, as a Mets fan, tell me. Explain Jason me. Vargas threw pretty well in some rehab, so I'm okay with him coming in and being the fifth starter. Zach Wheeler is proving so far early on in the season, early returns, is that he's he's kind of back and he can be a, a reliable starter for you. Steven Matz is okay. He's, he's kind of doing his job. I need him to leave, be a little bit better, especially if he's going to be considered our quote-unquote number three. And obviously, Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard are doing everything that they need to be doing. But it, twice in, in one week, the New York Mets bullpen blew a, a five-run lead and then blew a three-run lead. And that 
is my cause for concern, especially when you lose two or three against the Atlanta Braves. They're not a bad baseball club at 12 and 9. The Philadelphia Phillies are 14 and 7. They're on a four-game win streak in the right now. Philadelphia do. And 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 that scares me a little bit. So Dave Kapler uses 58 pitchers every 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 game. And but somehow they're winning ball games. They're seven games over 500 and the Mets have a bullpen right now that's a little bit shaky. So that needs to be cleaned up. And I think the root of the issue though is it overuse? Maybe, maybe not. But we just can't be using J. Reese Familia what feels like every single night. It, it just can't happen. And I know that Mickey Calloway is wasn't probably wasn't expecting to get off to a fourteen and six start, and was wasn't expecting to. And and their their game four against the Braves last night was postponed, so that'll be made up. So they play the Cardinals um, eight fifteen tonight. So that's going to be they beat the Cardinals in the opening series of, of the season, but. Uh, that's just the the thing that scares me is their bullpen depth a, and b the overuse of their bullpen and then c the fact that twice in one week you blow a three and a five run lead, late in the eighth inning once and in the ninth inning the other time. Looking like the the Yankees disease kind of pushed over into Queens, but the difference there though is that the Yankees were supposed to be a great bullpen. The Mets we knew this like. That was what scared me about the hot start was I know that their bullpen isn't as great as they were pitching the first two weeks of the season. With the Yankees, they were supposed to be that good. They just weren't performing. See, that was the problem. I, I knew it in the beginning of the year. Everyone was talking about how great the Yankees are. Ooh, yeah, they, they signed the NL MVP. But we didn't address the one thing that kind of held us back last year, and that was pitching. I, I really thought Cashman would have done a little something different in the, in the offseason to, to address the pitching. Again, I'm going to go back to, I don't know how he lost Garrett Cole. Obviously, he didn't want to, get, I think, Andujar. And obviously, the, the returns he's giving us right now, it looks like a pretty even trade, even though Garrett Cole is p- pretty much lights out right now for Houston. So I think it was a combination of Clinton Frazier, who I wouldn't mind seeing go, even though I got him in my, in my fantasy. Shout out, fantasy squad. But I don't think I don't think the Yankees were give up Andujar for, for Garrett Cole. I think right now what those two guys are doing, Andujar and Gleyber Torres, they're going nowhere. No, yeah, they're, they're they're not going anywhere. Yeah, no, Cashman Cashman's rebuilding like he's going ninety five style with the core four. Yep, he's got his core group of guys now. I know they're they, the best way to do I it. Know he's they're, smart. They're, they were talking. I don't know if it was this was truth or not, but I think Michael K was saying today he's talking about when Chris Sale was available. I think Aaron Judge was one of the key pieces in that move, and that was when he was striking out a lot. Imagine the Yankees flipped him for uh, to the White right. Sox for Sale. Right. How. Interesting that would have been in New York. I was talking to some of my guys the other day about the R.A. Dickey trade. Think about it. R.A. Dickey had one great year in 2011 with the Mets. Won the NL Cy Young, and we flipped R.A. Dickey, one of the first moves that Sandy Alderson made as the GM for the Mets, flipped R.A. Dickey for Travis Darno and Noah Syndergaard. And the catch in that trade was, Obviously, you look at it now and say, wow, that trade for Syndergaard was great. No, 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 no. That trade was based around Travis Darno, and Syndergaard was a piece in the deal to come along. And everyone knew Syndergaard was going to be good. He he was thought of as going to be a potential big-time prospect. I believe he was one of the top prospects in the organization. So it's not like he wasn't not a huge prospect in the deal, but it was centered around Travis Darno, and look how that turned out. And if you're Toronto, you probably look at that Monday morning quarterback on that trade and say, what were we thinking? Yeah, I'm glad we got rid of that Darno guy because he's terrible. Now he's getting Tommy John. But 
Noah Syndergaard, we could be a playoff team right now. Yeah, that one's going to hurt. And you never know. That's why you can't give up on some of these guys. That's why baseball's so unique, man. You can't give up on some of these guys. And that's why guys that throw hard or, or guys that have a lot of power or just have good tools are always going to get an opportunity because every coach believes that they can be the guy that fixes that specific player and gets them going right. Always they got that Mr. Miyagi routine. I could be the I could be the coach that's gonna get the most squeeze the most juice out of this lemon here. Well, coming up on Friday morning, we will be talking NFL football, the NFL draft coverage from the double A balls Friday dab on the NFL draft. So tune in on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Podbean, obviously DAABpodcast.com, PowerArmPerformance.com for the gear and apparel. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Social media, Instagram, and Twitter. Social media, bruh. At Double A Balls on both. It has been a blast, Anthony Rinaldi. I am Andrew Romanella. I'm going on the bases, Andrew, at this beautiful baseball stadium. We are broadcasting from Palisades Credit Union Park. We are the Double A Balls podcast, and we are out. This has been the Double A Balls podcast, powered by Power Arm Performance, your leader in baseball and softball training apparel. Visit www.powerarmperformance.com to get your apparel and start training like the pros today. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.